All right. Romans chapter 11, for those of you who are guests, if you uh, did not have a Bible with you, maybe you forgot it in the car or at home, we have ushers ready to provide for you a scripture. As you follow along this morning, we're going to conclude uh, the chapter of Romans 11 this morning, God willing. We all know the Lord might return while we're listening to the word. I always thought that would be an appropriate thing. I, know, I don't know how God would work that out with different time schedules uh, around the world. But for us, it would be great to see the word when we're studying the word. Um, but our goal today is to finish Romans chapter 11, which would conclude the first major section of two of the book of Romans, and while you're turning there, I want you to remember to pray not only for those who are ill among us, but there's many away traveling still for graduations and um, different family events. Uh, let's pray for their safe return uh, to us for sure, and I suppose we want to, next time we see them, congratulate, congratulate Blake Bonama. I know they had a wedding here yesterday, um, and thank you for supporting and, and encouraging them, and congratulate Tom and Lisa uh, as well, uh, as you see them, I'm sure that the flowers here are uh, gifts from the Bonhamas. They look like Bonhama touches, uh, uh, for sure. But um, if that's the case, thank you to them uh, as well. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer here as we continue. Father in heaven, we need your help today as we need your help every day. As we seek the illumination of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, whereby the Word of God is made significant to us by Him. So, Lord, we often speak about the truth of Scripture jumping off the page to us and, and uh, influencing our hearts to know You better so that we might know Your Word, so that we might do Your will with our lives. And I pray that this morning would be just another divine opportunity that we have to, to do that. This closing short hymn that the Spirit of God gave to Paul that he wrote and you've preserved for us is, is a glorious hymn because it recounts the, the infinite and divine plan of salvation for all mankind and and your orchestration of that plan. We're so thankful in your mercy that you allowed us to be part of your plan for human history to be saved. I pray, Lord, that our heart to glorify you and to praise you as a result of reviewing these short verses this morning would compel us to give even greater praise throughout our days and our weeks to you for the glorious salvation that you provided for us in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be praise-filled people because you are a praiseworthy God for all that you've done for us in your Son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Alva J. McLean said this of the final few verses of Romans chapter 11. He said, the person who knows well the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans knows more about the philosophy of human history than all the wisest historians that the world has ever seen. 
There is a philosophy of history here that is unmatched. It makes the historians on the earth appear like children playing with their toys. In this potently clear statement, McLean seeks to simplify that which man has complicated. God throughout history and in his wisdom has simplified man's existence. Since man brought sin into the world, God has simply viewed mankind into two groups, Jew and Gentile. The savior of the world would come from the Jews and to him were both people groups to look alone for their salvation. And so when we look here at Romans chapter 11 and verse 33, and we highlight that word by way of review just for a moment, that two-letter word, oh, the amazement that the apostle Paul here has here. Uh, as McLean says, it's like he's come to the pinnacle of a salvation mountain and he's looked back from that which he's climbed. And as he looks back, he's amazed by the beauty of the simplicity of the plan. And that really is its beauty. Its beauty is in its simplicity. Man fell into sin. Since then, God has divided man into two people groups, Jew and Gentile. From one, the Jew, would come the Savior for both. And why is it so difficult for man to view human history so simply? God in his infinite loving kindness has made man's most difficult dilemma, the easiest thing to be solved if both people groups would just look to Jesus. Amen. Oh, how beautiful that is. How beautifully simple that is. The text goes on to say that there's nothing on earth more in depth than this reality. There is nothing on earth more valuable than this truth. There's nothing wiser than this fact. There's nothing more knowledgeable either. We learned that God's riches and wisdom and knowledge are infinitely deep the last time we were together. And God has granted us the depth of those riches, wisdom, and knowledge all in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I would like to do, because this is more of a song than it is a paragraph in which we can tear apart the, the grammar and exegete it and apply it. What I want to do is just kind of go line by line through this song. Uh, when we sing hymns on Sundays, we have verses in those hymns and often those hymns have a chorus. That's what we would call in music the refrain. You'd sing a verse and then you sing the refrain over and over after you sing each verse. If there was a refrain to the verses of this song, it would be found in one line. And it's the last line of verse 36. To him be the glory forever. Amen. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And what we would like to do is move on to the second part of verse 33, go through the first half of verse 36, and crescendo our way to that refrain, to him be the glory forever. Amen. So in other words, we could read this song like this. Oh, the depths of the riches. To him be the glory forever. Amen. 
Oh, the depths of the wisdom, riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became His counselor? To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? To him be the glory forever. Amen. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. The last time we were together, we discussed, oh, the depth of three things. The infinite depth of the riches and of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. The second part of verse 33, if you wanted to put uh, a little word, therefore, at the beginning of ver- the second part of verse 33, since there is infinite depth to the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, therefore, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. His ways and his judgments cannot be traced without the help of God to humankind. Think about this. We need help. (laughs) We know that, right? We've been helped in Christ. It's impossible for us to fathom or to trace out the depth of the riches, wisdom, and knowledge of God. So what, what kind of help have we been given? I'll tell you this, the help that we've been given is of a divine source. The only way we can begin to comprehend the depth of the riches, wisdom, and knowledge of God is through two sources, divine revelation and divine humanity. Divine revelation and divine humanity. Divine humanity is Jesus Christ. Is that not true? He is God in human flesh. Divine revelation inspired and preserved for us is his holy book, the Bible. This is how God explicates to us as finite creatures the depth of the riches, wisdom, and knowledge of God. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, if you'll cross-reference those texts in the margin of your Bible here, next to the second part of verse 33, we're told there in the first chapter of Colossians that Christ is the revelation of the fullness of God. The Bible says in Colossians 2.9 that Christ is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And when we trust Christ exclusively as our Lord and Savior, indwelling us now is a divine nature given to us by Christ. And that divine nature now, by the help of the Holy Spirit, is able to help us understand divine revelation. So divine humanity within us is able to help us understand divine revelation. And Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
Beginning in verses 34 and 35, I want you to write the word because. Now I know in the grammar of your text, the word, first word here in verse 34 is the word for. I think more accurately translated here it would be the word because. So in other words, through this text, oh, the depth of the riches boast of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Therefore, his judgments are unsearchable and his ways unfathomable. Because, because, who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? The word of God says no one can add to his wisdom, knowledge, or riches because the depth is infinite and therefore they're unfathomable and untraceable. There are... Three statements made here. The first two statements in verses 34 and 35 come from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 13. You may have a study Bible that highlighted that for you. The final statement made here in verse 35, or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again, that comes from Job chapter 41 and verse 30. So Paul here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, draws three phrases or three questions from two different Old Testament authors. And these questions are questions that are in a direct relationship to what we saw in verse 33. It says here, for who has known the mind of the Lord? It's interesting to me that the last of the three virtues mentioned in verse 33 is knowledge. Who has known the mind of the Lord, but who has known the depth of his knowledge? So if you understand Greek grammar, this is reverse chiastic order, if you will. Isaiah, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Paul's taking us back to reminding us no man can understand the mind of the Lord because it's infinitely deep. The second part of the verse says from Isaiah, or who became his counselor? Well, nobody. Why? Because there's an infinite depth to the wisdom, not just the knowledge of God, but to the wisdom of God. No one could be God's counselor. No one could tell God how to do something better. Because he's God. Or, who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? Think about that in relationship to, oh, the depth of the riches. No man could ever reciprocate back to God the full measure of all that he's given to us because it is infinitely deep. Infinitely deep. But I would ask you this question. Is not Christ Jesus our Lord the revelation of knowledge, wisdom, and riches? Remember, how can the depth 
of the riches, wisdom, and knowledge of God be explicated to us. We need help. That help has come in the form of a, a divine human and divine inspired preserved revelation. And is not Christ the full explication, explanation of the riches, knowledge, and wisdom of God? Write down here in your notes or in the margin of your Bible some proof of this statement. Is not Christ the revelation of God's knowledge? Go over with me to another book that Paul wrote, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look here together at verse number 5. You folks know, if you've been in the Lord uh, a long period of time, that the Apostle Paul, like the Apostle Peter, Ephesians 1 and 1 Peter chapter 1, gives for us a great hymn of praise of the salvation plan of God through Jesus Christ for mankind. And this hymn begins with the word blessed in verse 3. And there's, a, there's just quite a layer after layer after layer of, of infinite value of God's salvation plan in Christ given to man displayed in this hymn. But Christ is the revelation of God's knowledge. He says here in verse number Three, let's just read it for context. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that he would be a holy, that, that we would be a holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoptions of son through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of of his what? Of his will. Jesus Christ is the knowledge of God. And God's given him to us according to his own knowledge. Is not Christ the revelation of God's wisdom? Look at the second half of verse number 8. Or let's just continue to read on here. Verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all what? Wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His knowledge, His will, according to the kind intention which He purposed in Him. So is not Christ the revelation of God's will, His knowledge? Is not Christ the, revel the complete revelation of His wisdom? And we already read here in chapter 1 and verse 7, and you can cross-reference here Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Is not Christ offered to us in demonstration of the infinite riches of God? And the answer would be a resounding yes. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness, verse 7, of our trespasses according to the what? The riches of his grace. And does his grace have a limit when it's offered to us? Oh, the depth. Oh, the depth. It's unsearchable. It's unfathomable. All embodied in the God-man. The wisdom, the knowledge, the riches. So everybody, especially you young people, do you really want to be the smartest, wisest, richest soul on earth? Who doesn't aspire, right, 
to live the American dream and, and to become the, the wisest, most knowledgeable, richest man or woman on earth. That's what we're here for, right? Amen. Live the American dream. Eh, I know why Rick said amen. He was getting to the spiritual conclusion. If you really want to be the wisest, richest, most knowledgeable, know the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is a very narrow-minded reality for man who yet and still lives without Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, it's, it's not just mundane. The Bible says they think it's silly. They think it's foolishness. Many think it's utter arrogance and bigotry. That the God of all the earth could be called creator, that I'm created, and that I need to submit my will to someone who created me. To this extent, that the only true way that I could become spiritually wise, knowledgeable, and rich is only through His Son? Nah. There's got to be another way. But this doxology says, nope. Oh, the depth. Look back over human history. God's made it really simple. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that it is the simple things of God that confound the wisdom of men. God's made it simple. He divided all mankind into two groups. The Savior came through one for both. Look to Him and be saved. That's true wisdom, knowledge, and spiritual wealth. And it is of infinite value because it's all sourced in God's grace given to us. Spiritual favor, which we don't deserve, any of us. A lot of opportunities are presented to us even this morning. And I, I love it when we honor our graduates. I, I love it when we highlight college graduates and postgraduate study diplomas. And I love it when we talk about the opportunities for, for military. And we all love it when we see the video of Max and, and all these grand opportunities we have to do what God wants us to do on this earth. Subdue the earth, right? Have dominion over it. Those things are all okay. He's given it to us for us to enjoy. But even that which he's given to us that we can enjoy with our senses is still finite value. And God has given all that he's given to us that we can enjoy with our senses that is a finite value as a gift to us. Romans chapter 2 says, the goodness of God given to us is to bring us to repentance, turning from our sin and placing our faith in Jesus Christ alone, who is the Savior of both the Jew and the Gentile. Amen. So no matter how you look at it, Enjoy all the opportunities. Enjoy all the good things that God has given to us. But all those good things are still given to us to point us to one person, the God-man. And to learn of him as he's spoken of and written about in the divine word. Are you rich? Are you smart? Do you know how to live life? 
You don't and you aren't if you don't know Christ. You're going about it. You might be having a ball. But there's still an emptiness and a void in your life that only Christ can fill. Solomon came to find that out, didn't he? Book knowledge, right, is book knowledge. But it has, a, it has an end. It's vain. It appears for a little while and passes away. Wisdom. Taking those books and applying it to life and knowing how to live from those books has value, but it's, it's temporary. Solomon says that there's nothing wrong with wealth and riches and and we're to enjoy the pleasures that riches and wealth can bring if God has given you riches and wealth. And he says, it's all something to be enjoyed, but it still has finite value. And what's his conclusion at the end of the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes? He said, the conclusion of the whole matter is just fear God and keep his commandments. That's true knowledge, wisdom, and wealth. So I am, you are filthy rich in Jesus Christ. Filthy rich. Young people, don't covet. Don't long to have what the world has to the point that becomes your pledge of allegiance for the why you live your life. Guard yourself against the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the, the pride of life, climbing that ladder, making more, getting more, enjoying more. Don't make that the pledge of allegiance of your life. While you enjoy those things, understand you're first positionally filthy rich in Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you have that understanding, those other things that God's given to us to enjoy will not be a spiritual distraction away from Him who is God enfleshed and the Savior of your soul. Verse 36. You go back to Romans chapter 11. Verse 36. You can write the word therefore at the beginning of this passage. So the conclusion of all this is what? For from him and through him and to him are all things. The reason we can provide an answer to these three questions is because all the riches, wisdom, and knowledge are from Christ. He is the source of all things. And the reason we can provide an answer to these three questions is because all things are through Him. He sustains all things. And a final reason is, is because to him are all things. 
He is the goal of all things. He's the source of all things. He sustains all things. And he is the goal of all things, his creator. All everything started with him. Everything continues with him. Everything ends with him. And he summarizes it all in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you know him? And finally, the chorus. To him be the glory forever. And what's the last word? That settles it. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the what? Glory. Glory of God. Since you are infinitely and filthy rich and lavished with the wisdom, knowledge, and wealth of God in Jesus Christ, everything you do from picking up a spoonful of Honey Nut Cheerios and putting it in your mouth, going to work, taking a walk, being with your family, being with those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is to be done. We take all of the wisdom, knowledge, and wealth that we have in Jesus Christ, and in Jesus Christ, and only in Jesus Christ, are we able to bring glory to God in anything and everything we do, or we say. Bible says that Jesus Christ is the express, Hebrews chapter 1, right? The express image of the glory of God. And when we own Him, He lives through us Amen. with spiritual wealth, wisdom, and knowledge. Do you know Him? Everything comes from Him. Those are the prepositions here. Is sustained by Him and is coming back to Him. Is it not, those of you that know your Bibles well, is it not all coming back to Him? Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, whether in heaven or on earth, and will pr proclaim Him as what? Ruler. Lord, every knee. I know depending on your theological grid, whether every knee is every saved and unsaved knee, or whether it's just every saved knee, I'll let you battle that out on your own heart. I personally believe that it's every saved and unsaved knee will be either compelled by grace or forced by judgment to cry out, you're my Savior or you're my judge. Amen. Every knee will bow. It's all coming back to him. You can argue and debate all day long. Various philosophies, religions, and historians, and so forth. But the reality is, it's all coming back to him. Those who are forced to bow their knee that are pagans, who have rejected the kindness and the riches of his grace and wisdom and knowledge will be consumed by judgment. This earth ill-affected by sin will be consumed by fire, 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us. And God will create a new heaven and a new earth. 
And in it only righteousness dwells. And in Zion will sit the King of kings and Lord of lords, the great wonderful counselor, mighty God and the Prince of peace. And throughout all of the earth and all of heaven for all time, we will enjoy him who is in person, the wealth of God, the riches, wisdom, and knowledge of our creator. But you can begin enjoying him today. Start enjoying him today. Don't wait. Don't wait. There is a huge difference between just knowing about Jesus Christ and actually submitting your will to Jesus Christ and asking him to be God of your life. And that can happen if you turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus alone today. Let's pray together. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you may not understand the whole of this text, but, but maybe there's one thing that you do understand. You've never understood how to sing the refrain. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You say, Pastor Tim, I didn't know how to glorify God. I didn't know how to show off his character in my life because I just didn't know how. I feel empty. I've maybe known a lot about Jesus, but I've never known him as my Savior. I've been a religious person. I went to church as a kid, whether my parents forced me to or not. I learned some catechism. Maybe even was baptized as an infant. Maybe even helped. Maybe even taught Sunday school in that church. I don't know. Regardless of religious past, you either know about Jesus or you actually know him. Has your life been able to bring him glory in Jesus Christ? And if not, my friends... Let's keep it simple. No pastor, no priest, no church. No church history. No religious person in human history can save your soul. Don't look to man. Don't look to what man can build, or what man can author. Look to God in Jesus Christ. Turn from yourself and your dependence on all these religious things and all of these sinful things activities in your life and your pride to own everything but Jesus Christ or own everything including Jesus Christ. Let's just look to Jesus alone. Only He can save. Only He can help you sing this refrain. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Only Jesus Christ. He desires to be exalted in your heart. Would you just say, oh God, I no longer trust myself, my religious past. I don't trust in a pastor or a priest or a church or a religious history. Oh God, I trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, alone. Lord, I turn from my sin, my pride, and I place my faith in Jesus. Lord, save me. Save me that I might bring glory to you with my life. Fill me up, Lord Jesus. Give me life anew. Thank you for hearing me, Father, and thank you for saving me.
if you prayed this morning something like that prayer and you'd say, this morning I trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm so thankful that I did. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to have you stand or be embarrassed. Would you just slip up your hand? I'd like to pray for you this week. Anyone pray that prayer this morning to trust Christ? Anyone at all? I mean, you would say, Pastor Tim, I think I might know that I'm saved, but I'm not really sure. I've been coming here often, maybe just for a few times, and I hear everything you said, but I'm just not sure yet that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And say, so just pray for me this week. God will help me understand who Jesus is. That I'll know him as I ought to know him. Would you lift up your hand and say, please pray for me. I'm still wondering. I'm still contemplating. I'm still thinking. Would you pray for me? Anyone at all? Those of you that know the Lord Jesus Christ, are you bringing glory to God? Are you reflecting the character of Jesus Christ in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your community? Are you walking with God? Are you living out the wealth, the knowledge, and the wisdom of Jesus Christ in your life? Have you come into a place in your life recently where you've been struggling by an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor Tim, pray for me. I, I long to glorify God as I should. And I have some things in my life I need to get right this morning. Would you pray for me this week that I'll do that and begin to, to live the glory of God in Christ in my life this week? Anyone at all? Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Amen. Only the Holy Spirit of God can put a fingerprint on one particular area of your heart. But boy, when he does, it's loud and clear, isn't it? Anyone else? It could be just getting back to meditating in God's Word, spending time in prayer with Him. That's the really outside salvation. That's the source of grace in our lives that helps us live. Father in heaven, we thank you for the work of the Spirit of God. Those who believe and even those who are yet to believe. And our prayer is, Lord, that all would be able to sing this great doxology of saving faith that, that Paul has written for us under the inspiration of the Spirit that you preserve for us. And as we look back over our own personal histories and the history of our church, oh, the depth. We're amazed at the simplicity and yet the infinite way that you've sought to love us in Jesus Christ. And we look around us as we get up to leave this morning and, and we're amazed by soul by soul by soul, face by face, those we see and we greet has been miraculously transformed by the grace of God. None of us could pay back to you 
what you've given to us. For that would decimate the idea and reality of grace being free. But Lord, help us to be amazed and bring glory to you that even among us today are hundreds that have been transformed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Oh, the depth of the riches, wisdom, and knowledge of God sitting next to us, behind us, and in front of us. We praise you for that. And Lord, we beg you to allow us to glorify you in our community, to show Christ to a lost and dying world in desperate need of saving faith by your grace. Give us a tremendous burden for these needy souls who are our friends, neighbors, co-workers, and often family members. In Christ's name we pray, amen.